Welcome back to Money Matters. We are in a series week two. There's going to be four sessions of this Money Money Matters series. Uh, The purpose for this series really is to help people who are feeling really financial stress and kind of stressed out by Money Matters. Really, the goal is to encourage people that are in that spot. But we're trying to pick enough pieces and elements of Money matters that all of us are encouraged by it. It's money matters that we all deal with, and so I hope that it's been a help to you. Last week was an overview. Uh, The first session together was just the strategy matters, and we picked five different really major theme strategies to kind of cover your money matters. And so uh, the first of those five was a biggie. It's almost... If you're starting there, wow, this is quite a series, because the first one was get out of debt. And some people feel like, ah, that's like huge. How how could we ever do that? And so that's today's topic, your debt matters. Your debt matters. And so we're going to kind of zoom into that first piece of the overview and kind of uh, look at all the different steps associated with that to kind of talk that through in a way that might uh, be helpful to you. A lot of people are feeling that stress. I don't know if that's you. Maybe the things that we'll go over tonight, you'll go, oh yeah, I I did that. Oh yeah, I did that. And it it won't be new to you. If that's you, just nod your head along and smile a lot. That's great. And if if you're really feeling stressed, just pretend you're one of them. Nod your head and smile a lot and just take it all in as you're processing and thinking through how this might be helpful to you. Um, Maybe you've run into somebody before who is really, really, really stressed and really, really, really feeling isolated, really feeling down. Like, I don't know if anybody, anybody sees that my life matters at all. I mean, whether I lived or died, I don't even know if it mattered to anybody. And you could just say, oh, no, that's not true. Just try missing a few payments. (laughs) Right? It matters. It matters to people. Your debt matters to people. And... And so um, hopefully you'll be a little bit nicer than saying that, actually. But uh, we're going to be dealing with um, a recipe, and our focus reads this way. Try this fabulous get-out-of-debt recipe. And so we're going to be getting into an actual recipe. I very seriously contemplated putting on a chef's hat, but then I thought visual aids can go almost so far that they're distracting. So actually, my vanity said, I don't really want to stand there and have everybody look at a chef's hat the whole time. So, and that might even go online. So let's nick the, nick the chef's hat. We'll just do the visual illustration of the recipe as we go through this process together. Now... Even as we get at the very outset, try this fabulous get-out-of-debt recipe, we have mixed reactions. Some people are going to go, yes, I'm so glad I came. I'd love to know this really quick, easy formula to get out of debt. Woo, a recipe, yay, yay, yay. And others are going, no, why? Why get out of debt? And they actually have an internal resistance to getting out of debt. And the reason for that is a lot of hmm, different philosophies, different places and where they're at, but a lot of people have this kind of this academic reaction that comes out of some education that perhaps some people had. So let me tell you a story. When I was in my early 20s, or right around the time Noah was building his ark, uh, the, <laughs> that was for you. All right. 
I went to the library. I can't remember if I was actually seeking out this book because I read a review somewhere or if I stumbled upon this book. But I picked up this book that was a New York Times bestseller, and it was titled Wealth Without Risk. The subtitle was How to Build Your Own uh, Personal Fortune Without Going Out on a Limb. I thought, wow, what a great title. So I thought, you know, I'm young, <laughs> newly married, need to kind of figure out the money stuff. I'm going to read this book. And I read the book, and I was just floored because it taught everything opposite of what I had learned previous. And what I'd learned previous, I believe, was more biblical. And what I was learning in this book was, here's the gist of it. Oh, get as much debt as you can. Leverage that debt. Don't pay off the stuff that you buy. Use the money to leverage more and accumulate more and build wealth this way. The guy who wrote it made several million dollars rather rapidly when he was young and then went bankrupt. And then he made a couple of adjustments in his life. And those adjustments is what he's talking about in the book. And his adjustments from his perspective was, now you can do it without risk, and you don't have to learn the hard way what I learned. Learn it the easy way, do this, and you can get wealthy fast. Now, when people say get wealthy fast, you should kind of antennas up, get rich quick scheme, be careful, be careful. And boy, my antennas were up. So I kind of read through the book more with shock. People really think this way? People really do this? I would never do this and set it aside, okay? Now, um, I don't know if there are people here that have read some of those same books that feel some of those same ways. We're going to do something quite different than that philosophy. And so if you are saying, but why get out of debt? Why don't we start with point number one. We're gonna start with a crock-pot recipe rather than a get-rich-quick scheme. A crock-pot recipe, plug in the crock-pot, decide and pray. So some people are not gonna to wanna to decide. They're not gonna to wanna to get out of debt. If that's you, I'm hoping that by the time we finish today, you have more motivation than before to do something about debt, okay? Now, before I continue very far, I, I sometimes forget all my little provisos that I need to make because I'm on a track and I forget that people interpret what I say and run with it in a different direction than I in, intended. Here's what I'm not saying from last week. I'm not saying this week either. When we bring up the scriptures about warning about debt, I am not saying that borrowing is a sin, okay? There is no place in the scripture that says borrowing money is a sin, this is not an issue where if you're loaded up with debt, oh wow, you need to get out of debt or God can't love you. That's not it at all. No, it's really talking about there's a place where you can go where you just bury yourself with a foolish idea and foolish systems of the world like what I just talked about earlier and we'll get into some more of those later um, that just make your life smashed with stress and stress is really killing you and it's very, very difficult. So I want to motivate you to want to plug in the crock pot. Oh, got a short cord. So I want you to watch very carefully where I'm going to plug this crock pot in. I'm going to plug it into a different power source than most people plug in their recipe for wealth. I'm going to plug it into what God has to say about wealth and about debt 
and about a slow recipe that's a solid recipe that is probably one that I want you to consider. Now, so because this is not really a sin issue, it's not a salvation issue, it's more of a wisdom issue, and God has given you free choices, you're gonna take in this information and start to think things through and, and decide if you're gonna decide. That's where you start. If you decide to start this process, like any recipe, you have to start, and you have to decide to start. So let's turn this thing up. I think we're pretty good here. All right? And then you're going to want to pray. This whole thing will, if you don't remember the pray part of it, and as I was sitting in the back, uh, I didn't do this either services this morning. So if this is going to hit you where you live, I think God prompted me to say this for you. If you're feeling worried and stressed about your finances, I want to give you a little assignment. It's not homework. It's your encouragement. If you want to just jot this down, read the last half of Matthew 6, okay? If you're feeling stressed, read the last half of Matthew 6. Start at verse 19. It's going to start talking about finances and trusting your heavenly Father who loves you, who loves, he's crazy about you. He wants to take care of you. You know, in fact, our Father sent his Son to take away all of your debt. Now, we're not speaking financially. We're talking about your sin debt. We're talking about he has made it possible for you to just be embraced and loved unconditionally, even when you've blown it in every way through his son, Jesus Christ. Well, he also wants to give you some of these tools and some of these things that might relieve you of the worry, relieve you of the stress, and set you on a better path. So, why not pray? He loves you, and if you begin to pray about your situation, you're gonna discover kind of some shifting things inside. How you view money changes, how you view stuff changes, where your contentment comes from changes, uh, even how you think in terms of eternity changes, and the fact that you wanna be a part of a kingdom that's a little bit invisible, and that's more real than all the stuff that seems to grab everything in your heart. And here's a biggie, every single one of us starts to trust in wrong places. Now I told you about the guy that wrote that book. Uh, I don't think I mentioned it yet. So his second empire that was without risk collapsed. I didn't know about that until this series when I was kinda of looking back and I looked it up and, Realize, oh, he had a major collapse later. So even still, it was filled with risk, all right? So that's important to kind of measure. Plug in the crock pot, decide, and pray. Let's go to some scripture. Give to everyone what you owe them. This is Romans 13, seven through eight. There's a dot, dot, dot there because I'm lifting the key phrases out of seven, key phrases out of eight not including the whole thing. I'd encourage you to read the entire chapter. Really huge in the context is um, people that didn't want to pay taxes to a wicked government. And he's saying, no, 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 you need to pay your taxes. Pay what you owe. But the words also go beyond that. Give to everyone what you owe them. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Why is that? God loved us so much, he forgave our debt, he wants us to be debt free. Why go back into that load of debt? 
Why go back to sin and bring on debt again? Why go back to financial debt when he wants you to be free of all bondages? He is showing us a way to experience peace and he's given us a pathway. So we're taking a look at the specific pathways as it relates to money. Peace, God's gift. All right, Dave Ramsey is a guy that is a radio talk show host. He has been teaching Financial Peace University throughout the nation. Thousands and thousands of people are learning from him how to get out of debt. A lot of the strategies that I'm gonna share in this recipe come directly from him. But before we uh, go with a little video clip that I wanna share with you that you'll watch and hear from him, I wanna tell you his background. He was uh, a graduate from a college with a degree in finance and real estate. He graduated the same year I graduated from college. In 1982. And he probably, I wouldn't be surprised if he read that book, because that was really popular in the 80s. When he was 26 years old, he, he had already put into practice some of these principles that he learned in college about finance and about real estate. Some of the same principles that I read about and thought, oh, this is not Bible. He put those into practice. And by the time he was 26 years old, he had amassed a financial portfolio of over $4 million. Okay? However, in the 80s, there was a big tax reform law change, and it shook things up. And with that shakeup, his major creditors, uh, um, the, the debt that they carried for Dave Ramsey was purchased by a larger financial institution. That larger financial institution looked at Dave Ramsey's borrowing tactics, his borrowing record, and they said, ooh, ooh, ooh. No, this, we can't continue this. This short-term note, we're gonna call it due. In 90 days, you owe us $1.2 million. And then 60 days later, another financial institution did the same thing. You will owe us in 60 days $800,000. He could not pull it off. He was fully leveraged out and was using his debt the best he could to continue to leverage it out to invest and purchase more, and he was so spread thin, there was no possible way he could come up with the funds, so he had no option but to choose bankruptcy and those laws to bring relief and survival. It is for that reason that Dave Ramsey is so passionate about teaching these principles of not going into debt and how to get out of debt. Now, he's gonna be speaking the entire message next week on the screen. Here's just a clip of him explaining why you might consider getting out of debt. Down. Rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. My wife Sharon and I, we got out of school. We got married, no, this is not marriage. <laughs> we had a little bit of student loan debt, a lot of money on our Amico card because I bought a couch on my Amico card. I don't think you're supposed to do that, but the guy at the fleet market said it was okay. Um, and we started off our lives, and we were eating off a card table, driving a 1902 Pinto, and, and we were trying to get going, and, and we needed a television. We needed a television. So I went down to the electronics store, and I got 90 days, same as cash, because I had no cash. And I was a finance major, and so I'm going to get this free money, zero interest, because I'm so smart. By the way, 80% of 90 days, same as cash, doesn't pay off in 90 days, and transfers 
to high interest loans at your local finance company, 24 to 38%. With a prepayment penalty, just to go ahead and kick you one more time to remind you how dumb you were. <laughs> Most people don't pay it off in 90 days. And if you don't pay it off in 90 days, by the way, the 90 days isn't free either. They backcharge you through that for the interest. It's how it works. It's a game. It's called fishing. <laughs> right? That's the deal. And so we started off our lives that way, and we went and bought a television. Then I went and bought a car I wanted that my wife, I thought, needed. Yeah, some of you guys have bought a car that you wanted that you thought your wife needed. Yeah, you blamed it on her, in other words, right? And, and then we went to get a house. Get a house, get a house, get a house, get a house. You got to get a house if you don't get a house. Oh, you don't want to be a renter. Renters are evil. <laughs> renters' salvation is in jeopardy. You do not want to be a renter because this is the way our culture talks, isn't it? You'll never be anybody. Get a house, get a house, get a, get a house, get a house. You know what happens when broke people get a house? They get broker. That's why they call them real estate brokers. <laughs> a house is not a blessing when you're broke. It'll take you apart and take you down. So if you want to get a house, do some stuff about money that the Bible says so you're not broke anymore, and then go get you a house. But I didn't do that. I've been married about 15 minutes. People are in my living room going, you need to get a house. Get a house, get a house, get a house, get a house. And so we went and found a house with nothing down because that's how much we had to put down. They called it creative financing, which if you look it up in the Greek means too broke to buy a house. <laughs> and so we bought a house about three blocks over from where I grew up. Larry Burkett used to say we spend the first five to seven years of our marriage trying to attain the same standard of living as our parents. Only it took them 35 years to get there. I lived in the same neighborhood as mom and dad, had a better car than mom and dad, and for sure had a better TV and stereo system than mom and dad. 52% of the marriages end in divorce in North America today. Of those that divorce, the number one cause is money fights and money problems. Of those that divorce in the first seven years of marriage, 90% say money caused it. Young marriages are falling apart everywhere. You know why? When you're like this, your leg gets tired. <laughs> they come in our office, they look like this all the time for financial counseling. Dave, can you get me out? <laughs> when I went broke and started over, I discovered this was the truth. That the borrower slaves the lender is the truth. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower were is the slave to the lender. So last week we pictured the ball and chain. We pictured a shackle on the leg, the ball on the end of this long chain. The borrower is a slave to the lender. And if you, debt is a drag, literally. This ball and chain, you're dragging this debt with you through your past. And it's, you pay, you're still paying for stuff you bought a month ago, two months ago, five years ago, six years ago, 15 years ago. You're still paying for it now. It's just a drag, and it's just weighing you down. It's causing so much stress now, and it's limiting your ability to choose what God wants for you. It's messing with your future, the future God wants for you, because it's a drag. And so this recipe is a recipe to shorten the chain, shorten the chain, shorten the chain, and then cut off those shackles and be free. And imagine... None of those payments again. You don't have them. And that's what you need to imagine where now you have some freedom, some wiggle room, and some uh, breathing room so that you're not a slave.
to the lender. Now, <clears throat> Dave is passionate about this because he was completely stuck and totally enslaved to the creditors that he used to utilize his wealth-building scheme. Then he became a Christian, and he began to plug into a different source of power. And this crock-pot recipe is a recipe that thousands of people have used. Now, they don't describe it that way. That's me describing it that way. Uh, with the different steps to get out of debt. So, let's begin the recipe. Step two, after you have decided, after you've begun to pray about it, and by the way, if you're praying about it, you're gonna see some amazing things happen. God is gonna care for you. But if you're not doing anything about it, you're kind of causing God to, get, to go, uh, I can't really just take that debt away because you haven't learned anything. You're gonna just get right back into it and I can't really bless you because you're kind of keeping yourself in an unblessable spot. And so that overview last week was really important to think through because now you're in a blessable place and when you start praying, he knows how to see from your heart that you really are looking to the master provider, our heavenly father, instead of your master card when you want something and need something and you don't have the money for it right now. And we have an idolatry that takes place. Every one of us, we kind of lean towards our false belief systems of what's gonna make us feel good, and we go for it when God says, no, I'm your master, look to me. I'll give you peace, I'll give you contentment, I'll give you the things you need, and so pray, pray, pray. So, here's the first thing you need to do. You need to stir $1,000 into a separate bowl, like most recipes. Don't put this in this bowl. Yet, you're gonna put $1,000 into a separate bowl. What is this bowl? This bowl is a provisional emergency fund, okay? It's not a fully funded emergency fund. It's a limited emergency fund with only $1,000 in it. And if you don't have $1,000 cash, that's your first step. You gotta just try to save, work, think, get an extra job, do what it takes, have a garage sale, get it. $1,000 into your provisional emergency account. Now, let's say you have $13,000 in a savings account, and you were thinking, I'd like to keep that there as my safety buffer, but you have $23,000 in debt. What are you doing with $13,000 in a savings account with $23,000 in debt? Come on. And I'm talking about consumer debt. Depreciating cars, depreciating items, things that are not a house mortgage debt, okay? You should take the $12,000 that's in your savings account and put it in the recipe. Get rid of some debt quick. You only want $1,000 in here because all of this money is making very little and you're paying so much interest, you're gonna wipe this debt out as fast as you can. You just need $1,000 before you proceed to the next step. But you need $1,000 to proceed to the next step. Now, time out before we go to the next step. After we get through all the steps here and you're out of all your consumer debt, now you're gonna go back to this bowl and you're gonna fully fund this emergency fund. You no longer have all that shackle and ball and chain you're dragging around. Now you're gonna put three to six months worth of expense money in your emergency fund because last week we talked about 70% of the people are going to have a major financial crunch in 10 year period of time. So you have gotta be prepared with a little bit of emergency fund. But while you're in a big debt, boy, bring this thing down to just $1,000 Throw the rest into the pot as we start with step three. Here's step three. Kick the credit card habit. Throw a plasectomy party. 
All right, just in case you're not sure what I'm talking about here with the plasectomy party. Here's the plastic. Here's a plasectomy party. Woohoo, let's do it. Yahoo! <laughs> this is what got me into this mess. I'm going to do this and I'm going to not borrow again while I'm getting out of this mess or I'll never get out of this mess. All right? Plasectomy party. Okay? I already know most people in this situation, that is a huge and very difficult step because they have already trained themselves to trust the plastic for their emergencies. That's why this $1,000 is very, very important, and that's why prayer is very, very important because MasterCard is not your master provider. The Master Lord Jesus is your master provider, and God is very good at meeting your needs when you trust him and follow this plan. So, as we, and, and when we talk about this plasectomy party, um, let me, Oh, let's just make this real. I don't really have $1,000 in here. But we're going to mix it up, okay? The truth is, I do carry plastic in there. I have credit cards. And I just told you to cut them up. Why would you consider cutting up credit cards? Well, if you have a radical problem, you need a radical solution. Jesus says this over and over again about other sins. I said the word sins. Uh, but when your eye causes you to stumble, he says, pluck it out. You've got to get a radical solution. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. Go for a ra- If it's a radical problem, you need a radical solution, or you're just going to dink around, it's never going to happen. So this radical problem, if that's you, that's where the plasectomy party really is important to you. For me, I've had a credit card since I was 17, 40 years. I have never paid interest, ever, in my life on a credit card. So I didn't cut mine up because it wasn't a problem, okay? But if it is a problem to you, cut it up, okay? And so I want to kind of get in your space a little bit with some quotes to kind of just tease this out even more. Here's a quote. If relying on your credit cards for Christmas is a habit, break that habit, Decide, paper or plastic? Go paper, unless you can control a debit card. Okay, cut up the plastic. Go paper, unless you can control a debit card. Some people, they don't even have the discipline to control a debit card. Go paper. Stop the habit of buying first, then paying later. Plan, budget, and save first, then buy. But it's Christmas. Act your wage. If you don't have the money, plan a smaller Christmas. That's a good thing. Next Christmas will be better. Next year will be better. Immaturity trades pain tomorrow for pleasure today. Let me say it again. Immaturity trades pain tomorrow for pleasure today. Maturity delays gratification for blessings gained tomorrow. Now, let me just throw one more idea out there before you go home and cut up your credit card. Don't do it solo. If you're married, <laughs> do it with your spouse. Make it a party. Agree that you're going to do this, okay? And if you have kids, include your kids. Why, why would you want to do that? We've always kind of excluded our kids from finances. Include your kids in this one because you're going to change your family tree. Even if they're six years old, put the scissors into your six-year-old hands 
and help them cut up the credit card. This is a really big deal. He will remember it. Especially when you go into the store and he goes, can I have that? Can I have that? And you say, son, don't you remember? We cut up the credit card. We don't have it. We do it differently now. We have to save and budget and plan. And once we get the money, then we can get it. I want you to have it, but we can't have it yet. It's not yet in the plans. Oh, when he's 36, not only will he remember that day, but he'll have a changed pattern in his life as well. So, cut the credit card habit, throw a placectomy party, step four. Add one snowball. Dave Ramsey uses a phrase, he calls it the debt snowball. It's part of his recipe for getting out of debt. When I first heard him use the phrase, I thought of the reverse of what he's saying. I thought, boy, it does snowball. Once you start going into that hole, the interest accumulates, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and now pretty soon you're having a hard time paying for it. That's what I thought when I thought of the term debt snowball. But he's actually using the debt snowball in reverse. To reverse and get out of debt, here's how you're gonna enlarge your payment to reduce your debt payment, and it's a simplest Simple system, and the beauty of the system is because it's so simple, here's the snowball effect to get rid of your debt. And so it's simply this. List all of your debts, your consumer debts. Exclude your mortgage debt for now. List all of your consumer debts in order of smallest to largest. Forget the interest rate. Just don't even try the math right there. Don't try to go, but this is more interest. I want to pay that off. No, just put the smallest one on the top, the next smallest, the next smallest and all the way down to the largest debt on the bottom, and now you do whatever you can to pay off that smallest one first. You just get the biggest snowball together you can. So like you might cut out a subscription here and a subscription there to accumulate a little bit more pad to get the biggest payment you can on your smallest debt and only pay the minimums on the other debt, okay? Now, as soon as you say that, mathematicians and number type people go, wait, that just is not you wouldn't get it paid off as fast that way. And they, they have a, this rebuttal. So I'm gonna put the typical rebuttal on the screen. Shouldn't we pay off the highest interest rate first rather than the smallest debt? Wouldn't that be mathematically correct? And Dave responds, friend, if we were doing math, we wouldn't have a credit card debt now, would we? <laughs> okay, it's not a math problem, he says. This is a behavior modification problem. And so this method will actually motivate a change of behavior because that's what's required, not math. And I want to talk some more about that as we go. So let's put this on the screen, a little chart of uh, kind of a, a debt snowball example. So here's somebody that had credit card one, $500, credit card two, $1,000. Notice the different interest rates there. And then a car loan, $6,000, still four years left to pay on it. And here's the, the minimum payment on it, $135. And then there's a student loan, $15,000. And that's scheduled to be paid off in 10 years, and it's a 5% loan. So we did exactly like Dave said. We put smallest to largest in that order. And notice the duration of the payments. It's going to take 10 years to pay this off if you're able to pay it off the way that they recommend paying it off. Dave says there's a better way. Only pay the minimums on everything except the smallest one, and then try to get the most you can together because you're not paying the other credit cards now except for the minimums, and throw it into the smallest debt. So $25 is the required, throw $100 extra dollars on that, now you're gonna pay that $500 in just four months. Now, cross that off, woo-hoo, yeah, 
We only have three left now. Now you're gonna pay off the next one. Now you can add the $125 that you're paying off the first one with to the $50 you're paying the second one, and now it's $175 a month. You get to pay that $1,000 debt off in five more months. Woohoo! Guess what? You take that $175 that you were paying and you add it to your car payment, which was $135. So $175, $135. Now you have $310 a month. You're paying off your car, you're paying it down. You got your car paid off in 15 months. Hoo-hoo, you celebrate, yahoo. And then you work on Sally Mae. And you work to accumulate that 310 and add it to the 159. Now you're paying 406. Do you see how this snowball is growing? It's gaining momentum. It is now a, a payment of $469 a month that you're putting into your Sally Mae loan, the student Loan And in just 24 months, that entire loan is paid off. Then mathematicians say, oh, yeah, yeah, but you weren't really talking about the interest that's added to that. You just did the math without the interest when you're paying the minimums. Okay, here's, here's what Dave says. It's not the math, folks. How many of you have ever run a race, like a distance race? All right, more people percentage-wise than some of the earlier services. You guys are healthier, all right? Uh, now, and when you run a race, have you ever felt like when you're about halfway through the race, you're thinking, I'm going too fast, I'll never make it? I always did, maybe you didn't, all right. So then you get to the end of the race and you see the finish line, and it's like this miracle happens. You can go faster, because you see the finish line. We built it in really early, and multiple checkpoints, multiple finish lines, and we celebrate every one. It's like, woohoo! you're motivated in this process. And that behavior modification, motivation is the key to this, not the math. If you started with that Sally Mae loan, you would have been discouraged, and you wouldn't have been motivated, and you wouldn't have done the things that we're gonna talk about next. What we're talking about next, point number five, is combine all ingredients with focused intensity, okay? Throughout the duration, there's focused intensity. And because each time you're coming up to these little mini finish lines, that intensity and that focus actually can grow if you will stay focused and, and keep tracking and stay with it. I'm gonna add some ideas to this so you can get this, because if you want a snowball to grow, what do we need to add to the snowball? Snow! Okay, this is not a math problem. All right, you add snow to the snowball and it's gonna grow. So to add more snow to the snowball, you look for ways to add snow. I can sell that. Oh, I can sell that. You just look around, I can sell this and I can sell this and I can sell this and the kids are going, don't sell me, you know, <laughs> because you're selling off stuff because you've got such intensity to get off of that drag that you're pulling behind because after you're out of that drag, you got $469 a month and you're looking forward to not having those payments at all. Wouldn't that be cool, right? So you're getting motivated. Stay with the intensity now. You also, through this period of debt reduction, you probably want to consider overtime maybe a second job, figuring out how to work harder, earn more. By the way, God's economy works like this. It's surefire way to make money. Work! <laughs> he blesses people who work. He actually says in Scripture, if you don't work, you don't eat. 
And he's encouraging people not to kind of advance freeloaders, because there were freeloaders who were freeloading theologically. He says, now if they don't work, don't feed them. Work, okay? And so that's an important aspect. Do whatever you can to add to the snowball with intensity. Now, um, sign up for Financial Peace University. That's a great way to motivate and keep yourself going and have others that are doing the same thing to stay motivated to work on this schedule. Now, just in case some of this metaphor stuff gets lost and not that clear, let me review the five areas with clarity. No metaphor. Five steps. Start. You got to decide, do I want to get out of debt? Do I want to get rid of this chain? Because here's, here's, after this is gone, now you have that big snowball payment, you can reduce the intensity now a little bit because you don't, can't sustain overtime and double incomes for longer than the period that you want to get out of this consumer debt. Now, reduce the intensity a little bit. Maybe you won't even have to because as you're praying, what, what Dave has seen over, and over again, people who are praying, people who are doing this, the math doesn't add up because God starts blessing. And they usually pay it down shorter than the math shows rather than longer, okay? So after this is done, you're gonna fully fund this. After this is fully funded, uh, a lot of people decide to get rid of their mortgage debt and they get rid of their mortgage debt way faster than they thought was even possible and now they're freed up money to work on whatever future plans, investing in the kingdom. It's like God can speak to them and say, you know what, can you bless them? Yeah, I would love to. And you're just able to have more fun with that freedom. Now, so set aside 1,000 for the emergency fund. That's not fully funded. Number three, stop borrowing, stop using credit cards. Number four, use the debt snowball payoff strategy. Number five, focus intensity into the payoff season. I hope that is encouraging and motivating to you. If it isn't, you decide. You decide what you are going to do and what your financial future is, and what is your vision for your future. Let me pray for you. Lord God, each one of us are given resources, not just money, but we have been given energy. We have been given minutes and hours and days. And you have blessed us with work and with incomes. Some of us have challenges in all these areas. We tend towards leaning into the wrong places. And so, Lord, we ask you for help. We ask you to help our hearts to be finding peace in you, finding contentment in you, and looking to you to be the one we, we believe is the provider. And Lord, as we endeavor to think through what this means for us and our debt load, if that's the case, or money matter, stress, whatever that is, Lord, we ask you to help us. Help us to honor you, to look to you, and to live for you, to recognize that there's more to life than the commercials would tell us, or even our desires would tell us, that you are calling us to more. So Lord, we ask that you help us to honor you with what you have given. Lord, help us to become free, at peace, and enjoying what you've given to us. In Jesus' name.